Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. It was about seven weeks ago that President Trump announced to the world that he wanted to create a space force. A lot of people at the time didn't know what to make of it, and they thought it was maybe a silly notion. Here's the president back in June. When it comes to defending America, it is not enough to merely have an American presence in space. We must have American dominance in space. So important. Very importantly, I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a space force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. That's a big statement. And just this last week, Vice President Mike Pence, at a presentation at the Pentagon, detailed the plans to create the Space Force and make it that sixth branch of the military. We spoke to Lauren Meyer. She's an editor at Axios. She was there in the room for the presentation. Defense Secretary Jeff Mattis was also there. Let's listen to that interview with Lauren. This proposal will begin with the establishment of a new combatant command, the U.S. Space Command. It'll also establish a space operations force and a new joint organization called the Space Development Agency. And all of this has the goal to improve and, as Mike Pence said, evolve space warfighting, including integrating force designs, concepts, doctrines, tactics, techniques, all quite literally in the process of creating a separate branch of the military on par with the five others, including the Navy, Army, etc. Now, how long has this been in the making? I know President Trump announced it a, you know, a few weeks ago, but they've been working on this for some time now. Beefing up space defense has been something that President Trump has been pretty keen on developing. He first floated this idea during his inauguration speech and about, as you mentioned earlier, seven weeks ago is when he first coined this term Space Force. But since then, the military had been trying to point the president's efforts towards further developing our current space command, which is under the U.S. Air Force at the moment. But we could see a very similar development as we did following World War II through the development of what is now the U.S. Air Force. They're the ones that are really going to be taking the biggest hit as as far as this, because they have a lot of personnel already dedicated to working on a lot of these kind of things that whatever the form it takes, the Air Force right now is working on a lot of those types of projects. Vice President Pence said in his statements, too, that a lot of what they need is protection of our satellites. The U.S. military uses a lot of the satellites to guide their missiles for the economy of the United States. We use those satellites for GPS. And the threat is coming from places like China and Russia. If they take out a satellite, they can cripple us in a ton of different ways. This development comes in response to just that, this anti-satellite weaponry and other technologies by countries such as, as you mentioned, China and Russia, who are developing this, which both Vice President Pence and Secretary Mattis cited as emerging threats that, in their words, must be countered. He also said, the Vice President said, that the space environment has, quote, fundamentally changed and is now very crowded 
guarded and adversarial. And so this is something that the vice president is very passionate about, likely trickling down from the president himself. One of the things that they point to was in uh, 2007, the Chinese shot down one of their own satellites and it created like this crazy debris field. That stuff catches into an orbit. It could hit other satellites. And it was back then when they realized, well, we need to protect our assets in space. It's all this low-level orbit stuff. It's not really this notion of Star Wars and space fighters and things like that. But it's kind of a, a uphill battle still. Uh, the things they were describing are things that they can do without congressional approval. But to create that sixth arm of the military, Congress needs to get involved. This development and this extra branch of the military cannot happen without the authorization from Congress. And this report that the Pentagon said has been delivered to Congress explains that the Defense Department is requesting that they basically allocate another $8 billion for space security systems over the next five years and will work with Congress to enact a statutory authority that will place this funding in the National Defense Authorization Act. It's one of those questions that comes up and it's kind of weird because Congress doesn't like to create more bureaucracies a lot of times. And this is exactly what it would do. I mean, you need the military component, but you also need a bunch of civilian components to make an agency or a new arm of the military like this work. So, And there's going to be a lot of money. You said they're going to want to allocate $8 billion, but it could be far more than that. So it's kind of a weird, <laughs> it's a weird thing. I don't know if a lot of members of Congress would be on board with this. Has, has there been any reaction to this news so far? What we're seeing so far is that there is a lot of positive response to this from Congress. Now, because there are so many people involved on the Hill and that would be involved in approving this, we are waiting. It is a little bit early to see a lot of the counter responses to this. And so this $8 billion to many can seem like a blip, but some are arguing that this amount of funding is a lot to rebrand essentially the same resources that currently operate under a branch of the Air Force. But one response that we did see was from former astronaut Mark Kelly, who went on TV slamming this plan, calling it, quote, redundant and wasteful. It does make sense if this is going to be the next big wave of protection that we need. It does make sense to allocate resources specifically for that. So I know I've seen a lot of different reactions. And yeah, Mark Kelly, that was the one that kind of struck me because, you know, obviously astronaut, he's been in space. So <laughs> just to hear him be down on the idea was a little interesting. On the other hand, there has been a pretty big group of Republican congressmen who have been spearheading this effort and really promoting this idea to increase our defense up in space for some time now. Axios editor Lauren Meyer, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, hearing Lauren's version of the story doesn't sound so far-fetched. I actually like this idea. This is an upcoming problem. We do need to exert our dominance in this area because there are threats that are coming at us. And, you know, it's funny, after Vice President Pence's speech, an email went out to Trump supporters asking them to vote on new artwork that could potentially be used for this new sixth branch of the military, some Space Force logos, if you will. Oh, that's now, cool. I don't know if they're official, or if they're ever going to be really used by the Space Force, but the logos are pretty good. Yeah. I like them. I mean, it's awesome. Who doesn't love an Air Force patch or a Marines patch? Sure. And now you're going to get that Space Force patch. That's pretty cool. Uh, Mike Pence gave his speech earlier. He detailed some of these threats. It's, it's not just about making a Star Wars style Space Force. It's not that at all. We have to protect our satellites, our assets in space. It's very important. Here's Mike Pence talking 
about why it's so important. The space environment has fundamentally changed in the last generation. What was once peaceful and uncontested is now crowded and adversarial. Today, other nations are seeking to disrupt our space-based systems and challenge American supremacy in space as never before. For many years, nations from Russia and China to North Korea and Iran have pursued weapons to jam, blind, and disable our navigation and communication satellites via electronic attacks from the ground. But recently, our adversaries have been working to bring new weapons of war into space itself. We had a conversation with Garrett Graff. He was a contributing editor to Wired, and he was the first one to explain why this was so important. If one of our enemies, if China or Russia shoots out one of our GPS satellites, it could cripple the economy. Let's jump into this interview with Wired contributing editor Garrett Graff to explain the need for a space force. Space is an area where the United States has been primarily dominant for a generation. And we've gotten sort of very used to that in the course of the way that we sort of live our lives and live in the military and other fields. Sort of more and more of our daily life is moving up into outer space. And so that's our telephone calls, that's our banking system, and really the entire modern world is underpinned by the GPS system the global positioning system and the satellite constellation above. We think of it you know, as uh, your way to get around on Google Maps, but it, it's really much more than that. It's the world's most accurate clock. And so it's used by banks to run the ATM networks. It's used by the stock exchanges to run stock trades. It's used by gas stations to run their gas pumps and their credit card networks. And then, you know, of course, it's used for Uber and Lyft to order your cars and get the driver's to you and get the drivers to where they're going. That's sort of the backdrop against which, and as you said, January 11, 2007, the U.S. Air Force was monitoring what had appeared to be sort of preparations for a Chinese missile launch of an anti-satellite weapon against one of China's own satellites. And at the time, no one really expected China to be able to either pull off a successful test, but also sort of didn't really believe that at the end of the day, China would blow up one of its own satellites. Anytime you're blowing up something in space, that debris field, the space junk created by that uh, explosion in outer space, can last for decades and impedes the ability of anyone else to launch satellites into that particular orbit and impedes the safety and security of all of the other satellites in outer space. It's a huge technological advancement, too, because, you know, when you look at things in space or pictures or whatnot, things seem to be moving slow. They're not. Things are moving fast. These satellites are always in motion. And for a, a missile to hit a satellite like that, I mean, it's there. That's a precise target hit right there. Someone uh, compares it to sort of the marksmanship equivalent of a sniper being able to hit a bullseye on a speeding train in one direction while riding a speeding train in the other direction. It's a feat of immense technical skill as well as very precise targeting capabilities. And so in January 2007, the U.S. watched as China 
launched this anti-satellite missile. It went up into orbit and blew up an old Chinese satellite. And that was a real turning point for the United States because we have built much of our economy and certainly much of our military's advantage on these billion-dollar massive bus-sized satellites sitting out there unprotected in outer space. And now, as of 2007, people began to realize that other adversaries had been noticing America's reliance on outer space systems, and we're beginning to move to counter that. Yeah, that's the big... China has actually spoken publicly about America's vulnerability in space as America's Achilles heel. Yeah, that's and that leads to the, the fears and why we might need a quote-unquote space force. Uh, China, the Chinese, Russians, they notice this stuff, and if they take an opportunity to cripple us in that way, then we're sitting ducks in a lot of other ways. In your piece, you say that 14 of the 16 infrastructure sectors that the Department of Homeland Security defines as critical all rely on GPS for their operations. So if you take out some GPS satellites, it puts us in a serious disadvantage at that point. Yeah, and uh, it's the way our fighters navigate. It's the way our ships navigate. It's the way that our missiles know where to go and how we help direct bombs sort of safely and securely to their targets. And that's just the military applications. As I said, you know, there are immense civilian parts of this system that most of us sort of don't think about. You probably interact with the GPS system overhead dozens of times a day and probably most days don't think about it at all. And it's this immense vulnerability. And so sort of, as you said, that we get so used to these sort of seemingly out of the blue, wacky pronouncements from President Trump that I think most Americans saw his rambling comments at a couple of different points this spring about the need for a space force as just another Trumpian spout off. But in fact, it represents a very serious ongoing going public policy debate that actually has been moving through Congress uh, and the Pentagon over the last couple of years. The House National Defense Authorization Act last year actually called for the creation of the Space Force, they called it the Space Corps, as a sort of subservient part of the Air Force much like the Marines are part of the Department of the Navy. Donald Trump now is talking about something different that would be a full sixth branch of the military separate uh, with its own you know, Secretary of the Space Force. But this is something that actually really didn't come out of nowhere and probably actually very accurately reflects the threats and the intelligence briefings that the president is getting from the nation's military and intelligence leaders. When I was speaking to then Director of National intelligence Jim Clapper as he was leaving office in the fall of 2016. He actually said to me at the time that space was one of his top three concerns in the in the world. And it's something that his successor, Dan Coates, the current director of national intelligence, has sort of reiterated this year in what's called the global threat assessment, sort of the annual major roundup of the world's top threats. Let's move forward a little into let's say, a, a future type of space war, what are the main categories of space weapons that could be used to target satellites and other things like that? 
This is part of what makes this story so fascinating is that in the intelligence community and the, in the U.S. military, as well as certainly in the American public, actually have very little visibility into what our main peer and near peer adversary nation states are developing as space weapons. Russia and China have, we know, very active space and counter space weapons and one of the ones that is certainly no pun intended on our radar is something known as object 2014-28E which was something that the Russians launched into orbit in 2014 that the U.S. originally thought was basically just space junk. Uh, it was right. something that uh, didn't appear to be doing anything at all. And then the U.S. began to sort of notice it actually moving around in outer space. This is something that most satellites don't have the capability to do. And part of what makes space such a challenging domain for intelligence analysts is it's really hard to know intelligence. If you're looking at a country like China or Russia that is saying that uh, it's building sort of space repair capabilities, well, those look a lot like space destructive capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, as I had sort of one analyst say to me, if something has a grappling arm to help fix something, well, that grappling arm can also rip something out. <laughs> we have our secrets too, though. You know, we have uh, some unmanned space shuttle-like vehicles that have been orbiting the Earth. Uh, there was one that was orbiting the earth for like 718 days and it was like a huge secret right so you know at Absolutely. the same time we're also one developing, up there right now doing yeah. who knows what and like you said also you know the rise of companies like spacex and everything in the near future space low level orbit all that stuff is going to be very very impacted with a lot of debris and, and and travel and stuff like that so it is kind of important to really develop these type of defense measures that really gets to sort of part of the heart of this debate around the space force or the space core this is going to be an arena, a domain in the government speak that is increasingly populated by commercial interests and even tourists. Um, you know, you've got Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin rockets. You've got Elon Musk's SpaceX. You know, you're going to see space tourists for the first time in the next couple of years beginning to pay to orbit the Earth. And whether we build a true military force looking uh, at outer space focused on space defense and offense, or whether we build something sort of more akin to a space coast guard, sort of something that's more of a police force, sort of a good governance force for outer space is part of the sort of open question around the, the development and the evolution of the U.S. space fighting assets. Yeah, it's just such an interesting discussion because you hear space force and you think we're getting ready for that big asteroid that's going to hit the earth soon. And that's really not what this is about. It's, it's so much more imminent, something that we really need to be monitoring because as you say, if our GPS system gets targeted and it, you know, it could collapse the entire global economy at some point. One of the things that really shocked me as I was researching this article is that the U.S. actually has no persistent capability to watch space in real time. So we don't really know what's happening up above moment by moment. What we get are basically batch processed 
radar images that give us a snapshot of what space looked like about six hours ago every six hours. And so there's a lot of room for something to take place and to begin to unfold far overhead that we would be literally blind to. It's a fascinating story. We didn't even get to touch on a lot of things that are in the article. It's a great read. Garrett Graff, contributing editor to Wired. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.